You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to. Do not to not elsewhere. Not elsewhere. 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 Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 22. It's been some time since I've done an introduction, but it's glad to be back. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please make sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play, which is now called Google Podcasts. And we're also now on Spotify. Check us out on any of your preferred podcast listening platform and please make sure to leave us a rating and a review. Also, please make sure to go to medicalcodinggeek.com slash partners to find out who are supporting partners of the Medical Coding Geek and also Not Elsewhere Classified podcast. You can also go to medicalcodinggeek.com slash promos to check out some of the special pricings that are offered to you. Today on the podcast, we have Adrian Blackstone. In this episode, we talk about her transition from working at an academic hospital setting to private practice. We talk about how she got into medical coding, specifically uh, neurosurgery. We then go into how she transitioned into teaching and how she found her love of teaching. But before we begin, I just want to let you guys know that I just came back from Gainesville from the Coding Fiesta uh, over at the University of Florida. I, was, I happened to be a speaker there for that event. Uh, and it was a wonderful event. I've never been to, I've been to Gainesville, but not in the University of Florida health area. Uh, the venue was beautiful. The food was great. The people were wonderful. So I wanted to give a shout out to the North Central Florida AAPC uh, and also Lisa Hamilton for inviting me to the event. So without further ado, here is our episode with Adrian Blackstone. Enjoy. You ready? Okay. Yeah. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Nautilus Reclassified podcast. I have here a guest by the name of Adrian Blackstone. Adrian, welcome to the podcast. Hello. How are you? Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. Well, great. Um, the way we connected was it's it's weird because I, I I normally find people. I go out to people and I find them. Uh, with something interesting and usually the one of the ways is either through LinkedIn either when they connect with me and I usually look through the I usually look through the profile and I find something intriguing and I go and contact that person or normally um, somebody else would refer them to me and I would contact them you you were a bit different uh, <laughs> this came from <laughs> Facebook so and, and, and for those who are listening uh, with Medical Coding Geek, I I also, aside from the podcast and the tutoring and all of the stuff, I, I do a lot of the marketing and I do a lot of, <laughs> a lot of these videos uh, where I find something that's going on that's trending right now in, in the time and then I code it. Or if there's something that's relatable in medical coding, 
I find a video and I do a loop and I do one of those, you know, uh, funny meme things. And uh, every time I post one, I always found your company name, uh, Blackstone Healthcare Solutions, sharing yes. it. And I'm like, this is this uh, every time, just every time, just every time, <laughs> sharing it, sharing it. I'm like, well, well geez, you know, I, I'm very appreciative of of her, of this company sharing this. And then that lead me, led me to your um, to your company page on Facebook. Then I'm like, well, then I led me to your uh, web page. And then I go to the about section. And I'm like, well, there she is, <laughs> Adrian Blackstone. <laughs> and and I'm like, okay, well, at least I have a name. And then um, and that's how I do it. You know, it's it's you know, people wonder how do you get your guests and. And it's 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 not that difficult. Some you know it's either because I um, they come to me or sometimes I go to them. And and and, and I was just talking about it earlier where um, where um, I, I people I approach to ask to interview are very surprised. And I'm like, oh, yes, you want to? What do you mean you want to? <laughs> what do you mean you want to interview me? And they become very skeptical. Like, what? What are you trying to do? I just want to know. You know, I just want to talk to you. <laughs> and so, you know, some people are like, I don't know, and some people are very open. Some people are fifty-fifty, and I like those fifty-fifty ones, right? And I'm like, let, let me let me show you what what it's all about. And then by the end of the podcast, they're like, oh, that was fun. And uh, so that's what we're so. I see I'm rambling on, but anyways, it's all about you. This is how we connected. So um, Adrian Blackstone, thank you for coming on. And let me go ahead. We'll start off with the first question that I always start off with is tell the audience about yourself. I, I haven't said anything. I'll say everything in the in the intro, but I want the audience to know who you are, where you started from, and how did you get to where you're at today? So um, my name is Adrian Blackstone, and um I am a medical coder um, and an instructor, and my story goes uh, back to uh, coming out of college. I um, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, and uh, I went to a temp agency. I knew I wanted to be in healthcare, but I just didn't know where I wanted to fit in. So I, I got a job at a temp agency. They put me at George Washington University, and that's where it all began. I was put in the neurosurgery department as a um as a uh, surgical coordinator. And from there, I just kind of bounced around um, and I really connected with the doctors that I worked with. And uh, they pretty much put me under their wing and literally just taught me pretty much all that I know today. Um, And because it was a teaching university, I worked with the residents and I was always learning. So that's what I loved about neurosurgery, for one, because these guys just like taught me so much. And so from there, uh, from surgical coordination, I went into clinical uh, clinical um, coordination or clinical coordinator. Um, and then um, I did that for about three years. And one of the doctors that had left uh, the neurosurgery uh, department at George Washington University um, had left and came back into town after being away for about four years. And he says he uh, invited me out to lunch and he's like, hey, look. I got some money to open up a neurosurgery program in Arlington, Virginia. They're like giving me, you know, everything that I want. They're just like, here, build us a neuroscience uh, department here in Virginia. And he's like, and I want you to come with me. And I'm like, really? I was like, I don't know how to run a medical practice. I have no clue. 
but hey, if, if you're willing for the trial and error, you know, I'm, I'm willing to take on the challenge. So he, um, you know, took me under his wing, took me into his practice, and we built a practice, um, a neurosurgery practice and a neuroscience center at uh, Virginia Hospital Center out in Arlington, Virginia. Um, and uh, that was, uh, was it, 16 years ago. Wow. Um, wow. And we grew from one doctor to five doctors. Um, and from there, um, I pretty much did everything because, again, we were small practice, you know, it was just me, him, um, another fr- um, admin person, and one nurse practitioner. Um, and because of that, I pretty much did everything. I did, you know, I did all of the admin work. I did the human resources. I did the billing because I kind of did have that experience. I, you know, still uh, scheduled the surgeries. And I did the whole revenue cycle, and I did a little coding. Um, didn't know much about coding and, you know, the, the certification and if what the rules were about coding. But And back then, there was really no Internet for me to Google this stuff. So it was kind of like word of mouth. And just um, I, I did have one resource, which was called NERVS. And NERVS was the um, administrative um branch, I guess, of the American Association of Neurological Surgeons. Um, and from there, I kind of um, started going to those conferences annually to just to learn and just to meet other people within the neurosurgery um, specialty, to, you know, just to, to learn from them because they had been in the business way longer than I had been. Um, and from there, I learned about medical coding. Um, my um, medical society here in Virginia um, started offering uh, medical coding courses. So I kind of, I was like, what is that? And I kind of did a little research and I found out, I was like, oh, they can teach me what I've, what I've been wanting to know is, you know, how to code properly and make sure I'm submitting claims appropriately to the insurance companies. Um, so I ended up getting my certification. Um, and from there, I just kept going to, co- you know, coding conferences and just trying to learn all that I can learn because I was, by myself, I don't really have any anybody to learn. And when you're in private practice, which is way different from like academic medicine, where you have um, rules, regulations, and things like that, on private practice, you're on your own. You don't really have anybody to tell you what to do. You have to make up your own rules. So I just wanted to make sure I was doing this stuff right by the book. Um, so between nerves and the AAPC, I kind of, you know, learned everything I can learn. I got my certification in coding and. Um, learned how to code better <laughs> and keep, then I taught my, I was able to teach my physicians how to code, although they didn't like what I was telling them <laughs> right. because they liked to code the way they wanted to code. <laughs> exactly. And, um, yep. From there, um, you know, I built a, I built a, a little practice. I uh, started hiring, um, you know, support staff. Um, I finally ended up, uh, as time went on, we got busy. I was like, I can't do the billing by myself anymore. So I ended up hiring a, a couple, two people for uh, medical billing, and um, let's see. And then from there, I went on to get uh, because auditing was the issue at this time. This was about uh, maybe thirteen, twenty thirteen. I was like, I need to learn about you know how to audit my stuff now uh, because I had met with uh, our malpractice company, and they were doing um, I guess risk management and just making sure we were compliant and making sure they did a couple audits on some of our charts and they were just, you know, kind of saying, Hey, you know, you really need to, you know, teach your doctors, you know, how to document better on their E&M charts. So I was like, 
hmm, I think I need to find something where I can learn how to be an auditor as well. So I uh, went to the AAPC. They had the course for the CPMA, um, and I got that certification. Um, so now I, I have a little bit of compliance under my belt, and I can still, you know, I was able to continue to direct and teach my my doctors, you know, again, how to document appropriately and how to code appropriately. Uh, and from there, I was like, well, I think I need to teach my staff how to code, too. That would be smart. <laughs> so they can make the appropriate decisions, too, when they're, you know, independent on their own and they're trying to evaluate whether, you know, the doctors are coding the appropriate levels. So I took two young ladies, um, and I pulled them aside. I was like, hey, do you, are you guys interested in learning how to code? I was like, I don't, I'm not an instructor, um, but I can teach you what I know. And from the resources that I have, the books that I have, I can teach you. So I was like, and if, if you guys pass the, um, the CPC exam, then I think I'll go get my instructor's um, certification. Oh, nice. So every Wednesday at 1 o'clock for, I think, six months, I would have the girls come into my office, and we would meet for like two hours. And I taught them from just like the study guide. Mm-hmm. I bought one study guide and we, you know, they shared the study guide and, um, they, uh, you know, f- for six months they did that. And by October they sat for the exam, they passed it and got their certification wow. the first time around. Wow. Wow. And I was like, they were like, all right, that means you have to go get your certification to teach. I was like, okay. Nice. So, um, that's, that's when I went and got my certification. I found out that I really do like to teach Yeah. and, you mm-hmm. know, I, I really do. So that's kind of my story, and now I'm here. Um, I, last year, uh, July 2016, I decided to uh, start a small business, um, medical coding, um, and um, I held uh, started holding classes in my office after hours for oh. um, the hospital staff. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the health information, uh, the director of health information at uh, Virginia Hospital Center. Um, uh, some of the people in that department were interested in coding. Just, just people around the hospital that knew I was coding, they were interested in learning. So I had students come to, you know, my office after work, and I taught them. And uh, that was, like, my first my first class. Uh, there were about – I had about six students, I mm-hmm. think, uh, mm-hmm. from the hospital, between my office and, and uh, the hospital. And that's kind of how I started. And uh, here I am. Wow. <laughs> That's <laughs> you gave me everything, and I'm just writing down here. All right, cool. Now that that's an interesting story. So here, let's let's take it a let's take it way back. Um, mm-hmm. You said you graduated college. What did you graduate with? Uh, psychology. I thought I was going to be a psychologist, <laughs> a <laughs> so, counselor. <laughs> so let me let me. <laughs> so <clears throat> you have a degree in psychology, thinking that you're going to be a psychologist. What um, what so. You you had a direction in where you were going, but then you switched over to neurosurgery. And how did that how did that switch happen? Was it when you were brought into the? You said you were in a temp agency in the neurosurgery office. Is that correct? Right. Yes. Yeah, so when I when I you know came home for the summer mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know started applying for jobs, didn't you know I just really didn't have any direction. I knew I wanted to be in healthcare. I just didn't know. How I knew I wanted to help people, and I thought maybe counseling would be it. But I think there was I needed more certification, or needed right. a certification to be a counselor. And I was like, mm, I'd rather work. I need some money. Right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I heard about a tenth agency in D.C., and they they would place you 
you know, at George Washington University. I heard mm-hmm. that that was an awesome place to work mm-hmm. because if you wanted to go back to school, they would pay for additional, you know, more schooling for free. Oh, perfect. So I was like, oh, let me get in at GW. Um, you know, I'll work the temp agency until somebody wants to hire me permanently. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I did. So it took me about maybe a year or two to get in, get a permanent position at George Washington University in the neurosurgery department mm-hmm. is where okay. I ended up. Okay. And then you started out as a coordinator. What is What does that yes, mean? a surgical coordinator. So I scheduled all the surgeries for the Department of Neurosurgery. So at the time, we had about six neurosurgeons mm-hmm. uh, within the department. And I just scheduled all the surgeries. I coordinated, um, you know, the insurance um, authorizations, um, scheduled the surgeries. I met with families. Um to you know, prepare help prepare them for a surgery. Right, right. So you're basically more on the administrative slash clerical clerical back end type of side. Yes. Right. And then you yes. got moved mm-hmm. into a clinical coordinators. Now, now, when you tell me clinical coordinator, I'm thinking like, like, uh, like nursing. But what's your interpret? Well, how what was the clinical coordinator like in in your position? So that was the person that managed the clinic. So clinical manager, perhaps, would be the appropriate term. Okay, okay, that sounds better. <laughs> like, wow, you you were you were handling the patients uh, as a clinical coordinator. So you were more of a clinical practice manager, right? Yes. From coordinator yes. to manager. All right, perfect. So then, yes. so you were were you just managing, or you were in one facility, and then they give you more facilities to, I guess, coordinate per se. Yes. So at the time, uh, we were in transition. Uh, neurosurgery department was now going to be called the, was going to be blended with neurology, and it was going to be called the Neurological Institute at George Washington University. So they merged those two departments together. Um, and they all, and also um, my practice, I guess my practice administrator uh, was taking on additional specialties to manage, uh, which also meant that was more work for me to do. So not only did we have the Neurological Institute to manage, we also had orthopedics to manage. Oh, wow. um, and we all shared the same, um, uh, what do you, we call them, pods, where you check in and check out uh, reception area. We all shared the same reception area. Okay. So that means at any given time, you would have three specialty, you know, three uh, groups of patients coming in. You would have a neurology patient, a neurosurgery patient, or an orthopedic patient. So I had to manage that that uh, check-in, check-out staff. Um, I managed the actual flow of the clinics. Um, I managed uh, ref- the referral uh, authorization side and just the daily functions of that 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 uh, part of the clinic. So more of the the flow of the patients coming in and out. Uh, that's what I guess you managed, and then the revenue cycle portion, the building portion. Were you also managing that as well? Yes, I also took on the uh, the billing. Um, didn't know much about it, but I was learning. <laughs> so you, who? So there, were there were there people doing the coding um, under so you? This is in ninety seven. Uh, this is in ninety seven, ninety eight. So coding. Um, uh, it's hard to say how how we learned. <laughs> uh, for it to have been a university. Um, there wasn't much knowledge about that. Right. Um, like I said, I kind of, kind of taught myself. I had the books, and I, I read it from beginning to end to learn how to use it. So, and again, no internet, so self-taught for the most part. Okay. All right. Um, so you were doing it as well. So I guess it was just a collaborative effort within your office uh, that you managed that did the coding. Yes. 
And then, but that, I guess, was that where it began to intrigue you at that point? Or was it at that point that you were uh, given that opportunity to move to Virginia to start up a new practice? Um, it, it started there uh, because it, it was kind of put in my hands. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. I don't understand. The new practice, <laughs> like, right? That, uh, this was this was at George Washington University. Oh, still. okay, okay. Because what what happened when I was the surgical coordinator, I had to do the authorizations. And by the time, by 97, mm -hmm. um, the insurance companies wanted CPT codes. And I'm like, well, what's a CPT code? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I, I got this. Somebody gave me a book, a CPT code book. I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? And they're like, <laughs> you got to put a number to the procedure. And I was like, okay, well... Can you tell me more? Well, I don't. We don't know very much about it, but oh, boy. you know, maybe the insurance companies can give you some guidance. So, self-taught. <laughs> so, when you say self-taught, like um, when you made errors, like you know, if you got a denial, were, were you learning? <laughs> were you learning through denials or? Well, um, I, I let me. Uh, so I didn't do the. I put the codes to it, and after that, it was sent on to a quote-unquote billing center. Or it was outsourced to a, a billing facility, so to speak. So, so that we would get, um, you know, maybe weekly or maybe monthly. It was the worst uh, revenue cycle management. Wow. <laughs> um, so we would get a stack of stuff of denials, and um, they would leave little notes, you know, like missing an operative report or the insurance company didn't accept this code. And, you know, it was a matter of, you know, maybe sitting down with a doctor because he didn't know any more than I did about the coding part wow. of it. And I'm like, you know, can you help me match this up? What do you think this, this goes with? You know, <laughs> what, what did you do when you went into the operating room? And, you know, they would explain. I was like, all right, well, let's try this code. Oh, <laughs> so my it was, gosh. It was trial and error, really. Gosh, it sounds like it sounds like a bunch of us just uh, with a bunch of Ikea boxes <laughs> just trying to put, yes, it, put yes, it all together. Exactly. That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> All right. Yes. <laughs> so when you went into this practice, so basically you started it from the ground up, right? Yes. So yes. where did you begin in that in that new venture? Uh, with the private practice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, by this time, this was 2001, had a little more knowledge about CPT code, had a conference that was specific to neurosurgery that I could go to every year. Um, so I had a little more, me and the doctors both had a little more knowledge about coding. So by this time, um, you know, I kind of knew what I was doing by then um, and just learning the anatomy. So, you know, I could do some things on my own. We did a lot of complex spine. So, um, you know, just sitting down with the guys, with my doctors, I was, you know, we, we were just, you know, learning um, how to code things. So our biggest issue for, is, uh, we did a lot of spine, like I said, complex spine surgery um, for us. It was uh, bundling was an issue um, when we did any type of um, anything on the nervous system, like the uh, like craniotomies. Those were pretty straightforward, pretty easy. Um, but we we did we were challenged with spine. So um, like the laminectomies, the decompressive laminectomies, those spinal fusions. Uh, yeah, spinal fusions. Yeah. Oh, because one of my surgeons, he he did he specialized in complex surgery. So there's tons of codes. Uh, when you're coding for a complex spine, you know, you end up with like 10 or 15 codes, but some of those codes bundle. Um, and it was like, you know, kind of learning what goes with what. 
And, you know, my doctor's like, well, no, I, I, I did this and I need to be paid. I'm like, mm, you got to explain. Well, mm, I don't think that's going to that's gonna work. <laughs> that's bundle. Well, why would they do that? So it was a lot of back and forth, you know, uh, just trying to find resources really at this time, 2001, to, to back, you know, back things up. Um, you know, the audit issues that we have now weren't as big of an issue back then. Well, let me ask this question. Like, so um, for neurosurgery, I guess, you, you, since you mentioned the complex neurosurgeries, were, I, as, I, mean, I guess this is a question for today. Is there a specialization in, in that? I'm not, I'm not too sure about that. Is there a specialization for coding? for coding for neurosurgery? No, there is, and I wish there were, but there is not. And I bet you would probably be the first one, <laughs> first one to jump on it, probably. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would. Um, so they have orthopedics, but um, that uh, that doesn't help. <laughs> I would definitely um, be interested in a neurosurgery specialty. That would be awesome. But I, I do have resources that I use um, uh, for for complex stuff. Um, like who, like that's, so that, that goes back to my question. Who, who, like back in 2001, who did you go to or what did you go to? I'm sure AAPC was AAPC around during that time in 2001. Yes, they were. Um, I'm trying to think that I know, about, no, I didn't know about them in 2001. Uh, so I went to the American Association of Neurological Surgeons. That was my resource. Um, when you mentioned so, the, the the nerves and is it N E R V E S? Yes. And that's so that that's does that does that um, stand for something, or is that yes, just that, the name um, of the thing? That it, it does have a breakdown. I don't I don't remember what the actual acronym um, stands for, um, but they are. That was a resource for any uh, administrator that was. Uh, that managed a neurosurgery practice, um, that was their resource um, to go to to get, you know, statistics and things like that and um, best practices and things like that to help guide you through um, neurosurgery. And and these surgeries, uh, when you were in the private practice, were they done um in the off i'm in the office or was this done like an ambulatory care center or was the were the procedures done in the hospital? Yes, um, pretty much. I would say about. Well, I guess it all yeah, depends on the, the severity of the procedure, eight, right? Right. Exactly. So, um, so eighty percent, or oh, let's say maybe ninety percent of the procedures were um, in-house. You mm-hmm. know, um, inpatient procedures. Right. Um, and a very small percentage was outpatient. About ten percent was outpatient for okay. neurosurgery. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so um when I'm thinking neurosurgery too, you mentioned craniotomy. So do you get um have you had to handle any of those traumatic cases uh for traumatic subdural hemorrhages, subarachnoid hemorrhages where they do those kind of cases yes. with the burr holes? Yes. So we do have a, a vascular specialist in our practice who can uh, who does those. So we do uh you know aneurysms, uh, any type of vascular oh, okay. malformations of the brain. Mm-hmm. Um Yes, so we we definitely do that uh, diagnostic angiograms, so interventional radio uh, interventional neurosurgery, right? Um, which is definitely a challenge in coding. <laughs> I bet because uh, I, I you know I I did some coding in terms of CDI where I started reviewing charts, uh, especially for those in neuro, neuro interventional no interventional neuroradiologists where they do the stenting and the coiling in the brain. So that becomes like that. That definitely intrigued me because, especially when they um, 
just like a cardiac procedure, but I, I'm assuming they go through the femoral artery, they continue up past the heart, and then right up to the uh, carotids and right into the brain. <laughs> they do the procedure yeah, right absolutely. there. Yeah, it is amazing how they do this. It's the, it, so we have one guy um, who specializes, and it, was, it took us about five years to find him. <laughs> wow. These yeah. guys are so rare. Um, but yeah, he definitely starts with the femoral artery on up to the to the brain. Yep. And so, and, all. and so those you have to code as well? Yes. Oh, my god. Yep, gosh. I code um, yep, them uh, all the coilings and all the diagnostic angiograms. Oh, my gosh. That's that's amazing. Because uh, I just recently had um, uh, Stacy Buck, who is, uh, you know, a radi- she does radiology and also interventional radiology. So when, you, when, I, when, I, when I learned about you doing neurosurgery, I said, well, boy, I, I know about these ones where, especially for neurointerventional radiology, and, you know, those are the ones that I've seen that definitely impressed me. I, it was back in, gosh, 2001 when I first found out what they were and what this one guy was doing down here. He, now there's like there's one doctor, I believe, down here in South Florida where I'm from uh, that does it for at least just South Florida. You're talking about three counties, Broward, uh, Miami-Dade County, and also West Palm. And it was just this one guy <laughs> who's, who does it all and, and you know. Um, can you imagine what just by himself and ensuring that he's coding them correctly? And, you know, what, what also, what also impressed me too, is that this, that specific neurosurgeon knew his coding. And there was a time where I, I had to, I was doing clinical documentation improvement on a chart and I just started. So it, this had to be like in 2005 or six and I just started doing clinical documentation improvement. I started doing that, meaning I, I was just very fresh in terms of the clinical side and also the coding side. And then, uh, I, you know, this is also when we were in paper-based uh, records, kind of hybrid, where we take the paper and then we scan them in. So we were in a hybrid-based hybrid based format. And so I would type up this kind of uh, CDI worksheet. Uh, of what my findings are and then I put in my initial codes uh, of what they are and it actually has my name my phone number for my extension at work and I placed a sheet on there and then I think this patient had like I don't know some type of intracranial bleed and I put I guess the generic um, intracranial hemorrhage and then I get a call the next day (laughs) he says he says, hi, this is Dr. So-and-so. Uh, are you the guy? Is this Brian? I said, yes, this is Brian. Oh, oh um, um, Brian, I'm looking at your blue sheet because we had these blue sheets that we put in there. And then the progress notes were yellow. So, the, you know, we it was it was made to a point that we had to put these papers in and it's just standing out. So she, he says, well, you know, I'm looking at your blue sheet. And he's like flipping through my page. And I, I noted you coded this case incorrectly. I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> <You know>? oh. <laughs> I said, well, what is supposed to be? And, he, you know, I think at the time, um, oh, gosh, it was ICD-9. So I really don't remember the code. I think I had put like a like a intracranial hemorrhage. And he says, no, this was more of a subarachnoid hemorrhage. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like, okay, I'll go back to the floor and, and I'll change that for you, doctor. Thank you. And that that was my first um, uh, firsthand experience of somebody outside of, a, you know, being a physician knowing how to code. And that kind of blew me away because when I thought, okay, physicians – they they are just only concerned in terms of and neurosurgeons or just surgeons in general they're just concerned in doing their work 
and just getting out. And I never had an opportunity, you know, I never had that that type of thinking that they ha- also have to worry about their business side of ensuring that, you know, they're getting their money in so that way they could pay for whatever they need in terms of their practice and their, you know, their nice uh, sports cars. <laughs> this, this guy had a nice, this guy had a nice sports car. He had a Porsche, uh, considering that he was the only one that was doing it in, in the South Florida area. And, you know, it opened my eyes a little bit more like, gosh, you know, they, they're not just concerned about the care, but they also, especially if they're in private practice, they also have to worry about their own business because if they're the one starting it, uh, they're pretty much kind of like their own CEO and their own COO and they're the ones running it and then they have to worry about the billing part. So when you mention neurosurgeons, I'm like, well, gosh, I know they know how to code because I had a deal with one previously. And the fact that just opening up you know, my eyes and understanding like, look, doctors... Um, especially in private practice, have to run their business and they have to have somebody in place to just make sure the wheels are turning. And for you, at least you were placed in a practice that, you know, like with no some experience, I guess, but no, no experience from the bottom up and your ability to just take things and and move things forward and make it work. Uh, So which comes to my next question is, like, what were some of the challenges that you had to deal with when you had, uh, you know, when you started building up that practice? So, well, the biggest challenge, I think, like I said before, was just not having uh, enough resources. Um, again, when you're in private practice, you you don't have that uh, that upper level management to go to. You are it. <laughs> and... My doctors, um, they, they are, were not micromanagers, uh, so they were like, you can handle this, and I know you'll do the right thing, so go do the right thing. So that, I, I, literally, I've done everything on my own. I've, I've had to figure it out, just figure it out. And I've been fortunate enough to just have met people in different um, specialties, um, just trying to go out on, on campus just to, you know, meet people, talk to people, and just gain resources. So that in private practice, that, that's the biggest or was the big, biggest challenge for me. Um, other than that, I mean, it's always been good working with my doctors. They, you know, they teach me, I teach them um, with very little resistance. Um, uh, so um, I think that's yeah, key, definitely. right, is the fact that you have the support and the, yes. uh, what's the word, um, confidence <laughs> that yeah, you're, you're yeah, going to get it done. Yeah. And Absolutely. that I think that is key in, in any uh, company where, you know, if you're bringing in somebody, you're confident that person will do it regardless if they make mistakes or not, I think is the fact that if they make the mistakes, then that you are confident in that person to recover from those mistakes and move forward. Hopefully the mistakes are not huge, but even if it's, even if it's just a mistake itself, that person can be able to uh, get out of it, resolve it, and then just move forward again. And so for those that I guess are listening, you know, it's the idea of making mistakes. You have to fail in order to <laughs> to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it sounds like you've uh, you don't have to reveal how many mistakes, but I'm sure you made a lot of mistakes, <laughs> a lot, made a lot of mistakes right. along the way. And you're like, okay, I fix it. And you know, what's nice, what's nice about making mistakes is that, uh, it's not the fact that you learn from them it's the fact that you can recall them. And, and I'm sure that definitely went, uh, brought it forward when you had to bring in more people. So 
when 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 was it a point that you had to uh, bring in more people? Like you you mentioned you had to expand, but like what was the the tipping point? Like okay, like I I really need help. So what was that point where you brought in? I think what two more people? Yeah. So that uh, happened when I got when I was up to five doctors, and they wanted to. And initially, it was just one, right? Yeah, initially it was one. It was started out in 2001. We started out with one physician. By 2010, we had five surgeons. Wow. So the challenge was... And now this was just one practice. Were you like increasing like in office? Like you like if you had just one yes. office and you were opening multiple offices? Oh my gosh. Well, well, we didn't have multiple offices. We just ex- We just got a bigger office. So our hospital was expanding. They said, hey, we got new office space. Do you guys want it? We got uh, about 2,600 square feet. And I did, the, I did, those, that, I did three construction projects. Uh, to <laughs> so on top of that, you had to deal with the construction portion. That, <laughs> oh, my gosh. On top of doing, you know, running the whole revenue cycle by myself, doing construction, doing the admin, human resources, payroll, everything. You're going to be like, okay, um, I, want five, this, I want this type of, uh, I want this type of tile. I want this type of paint. On right. <laughs> yes. Literally, they, you know, my guys, they, they just like, oh, you'll, you'll take care of it. I know you'll do a good job. Just go ahead. Do, pick whatever you want. You know, all they want to do was go on the OR and know that everything was taken care of. And that's what I did. Um, so we got our, our, our interventional uh, radio, uh, interventional neurosurgeon um and when he came they wanted him to um let me see how i can word this they wanted him to participate in all of the insurances because he was new to the area and he needed to build his practice so how could he do that well hey let's open up an, a plc or llc uh he can be under that company and he can have his own you know he can run his own quote-unquote practice and you know participate with all the insurances because at the time if you didn't have a contract with your insurance companies, if you, you know, saw a commercial person, you know, they were the old insurance plans where you could negotiate with your insurance companies and, you know, we benefited from that model as far as reimbursement was concerned. So, you know, we had contract with like Medicare, Blue Cross, Blue Shield. That was it. And everybody else was commercial at a network and we had the ability to negotiate. But these guys had already let's see, four of the guys had already been in the area for long enough and they had already built their practice. But for the new guy, you know, that wasn't so. So if we wanted him to build his practice, we were like, well, let's let's open up him a practice and we'll sign him up with all the insurance companies and run this as a separate business. So now I got all this going on and now I have to run a separate business, a separate tax ID, everything separate or two, you know, two companies at the same time. That was crazy. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> this is just crazy. <laughs> So I hired uh, two two girls um, to to do the you know everything for that company because um, you know you can't mix the two companies and you know charge and what, entry and all that kind of stuff. What were your what? So you brought in two people. What were your I guess uh, requirements to fill those two roles? Uh, someone who had billing experience, who had who could do charge entry um, and claim submission, basically, um, and collections who just knew knew that revenue cycle um and what i did i let them handle the e&m coding only okay i continued to do the surgical billing mm-hmm. um because obviously that was much more complex than um the than E&Ms. the e&m coding right 
Um, so um, until this day, I still do. I'm the only one that does the surgery coding. Oh, wow. Um, and I have, uh, you know, two staff that do E&M because that's pretty straightforward. Um, they're really good with, and they're both certified, so okay. um, with CPC. Um, what, but actually, both of them I taught. So, oh, nice. Uh, yeah. So those two that you brought in, they weren't certified at all? Not initially, no. Not initially. And so that kind of led into you wanting them to teach them to, to code? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so where, where, did that, where, did that, where did that, I guess, idea of like, okay, I'm just going to teach you that. <laughs> you know, where, where did that, that, that generate? Where did that generate in with you to, to come up with that idea? Because um, I think people should know. I mean, my, in management, I always thought, because people taught me, I, I wanted to give back. I'm like, you need to learn. Well, what are you going to do with your life? You know, if you're just coming in as a front desk person, are you going to be at the front desk forever? Do you want to do something else? Do you want me to teach you something else? Because I can teach you. So that's just me, I guess. Like, like, like. I <laughs> guess. Uh, uh, I guess. Let me <laughs> let me rephrase the question. Then, I mean, that, that's a that's a good uh, good um, good point of view. But could you have like, um, like, was were there anybody else? I guess I'm I'm assuming that there was nobody else that can teach them this. Like, you know, you could have like called for a consult company and said, "Hey, can you can you come in and teach my coders?" Um, uh, or do an in-service or anything like that. You just decided, let's just, I'll just do it, <laughs> right? Right, yeah. I mean, I didn't have, yeah. Uh, there were companies out there that could have, um, that I guess a consultant, yeah, that we could have called in. Mm-hmm. Um, one, they were so expensive. And right. <laughs> I had uh, one, one doctor was like, I was like, do you think that we should have a consultant come in and just kind of like, you know, do a, cons- you know, check out our company to make sure we're doing things right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, you know, I don't have like a master's in healthcare administration. Right. You know, so do you want to make sure that I'm doing? He was like, nope. I know you're doing it right. And he has a business that he was a he had a business background. Right. So he, you know, he knows how to run a business. Correct. Um. So most of the stuff that I learned from from the business side, I learned from him. Mm. And so he's like, no. If you ever remember this, if you ever have to call a consultant in on your business, that means you're doing bad. <laughs> Wow. Like, okay. Really? True. Okay. I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> so, and he's like, "We're fine." <laughs> and so, you know, I, I guess I, from I, I guess from I'm his not. end, the numbers look good. That they didn't really need a consultant. <laughs> right. And it, and it always comes back to that. It comes. Wanted, it always, <laughs> yeah. It always goes back to that top. Like, okay, that person has total confidence you in you, right? And doesn't doesn't seem like need the need to go anywhere else with anyone. Uh, so I think, I think that's, is already set, which is, which is good. And it gives the initiative for you to take that, that type of role. So, you know, were you, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you were, you were, you, had, you already had to deal with the practice. I'm sure you're already picking tiles, p- choosing paint, uh, you know, doing all of these things, uh, worrying about what kind of coffee is in the break room, right. <laughs> and then making the decision to, to teach these coders. Where did you find the time to do that? Oh, I just made the time. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was like, how, like, like, so like, let me ask this question. Like what, what were your hours like before oh you, <laughs> you were teaching these two coders? Mm-hmm. So the hours were probably seven to seven. Uh, oh my god, 12 hours. Every, every day? 12 every day. Um, Did well, well a... I didn't work late on Fridays. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would work really hard Monday through Thursday 
And Friday, I was like, I'm, I need a break. I'm going to work, you know, my regular hours. I'm going to come in at 9. I'm going to leave at, at 5. And then um, you had your weekends off, or were you still working? It depended. It depends on what was going on at the I time. Bet. Some I weekends bet. I would come in. Especially um, if they had to do cases during the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. if they were on call or whatever, and then, you know. Oh but it, it was quieter on the weekend, so, you know, paperwork could be done on, on a Saturday maybe. I, w- I would probably do like a once a month on Saturday. Uh-huh. Um, just paperwork. Where did, so where did you, like you made, you said you found the time. Where, where did you, where did you squeeze it in? So for instance, on, on Wednesdays, once a week, I would teach the girls. Uh-huh. Um, so that, that Wednesday I would stay late. Uh-huh. I would say after extra a 12 hour day. Uh, sometimes I could say an extra hour depending uh-huh. on, you know, again, what was going on, um, mm-hmm. wherever I felt that I needed the time. If a project needed to be done or a report needed to be, you know, put together mm-hmm. um you know it, it worked out <laughs> and and this is where you you did the the two hours per week um yes is that what it is for six months yes what was your format in in teaching this was this something that you just made it up along the way you said you had a study guide that you had followed yes. up with so the A- yes so the aapc um had had this study guide book if you were interested in studying for the cpc they had the study guide so that's what I had used uh, for my, um, I think, I, yeah, I, I used that workbook. Um, when and, this, I was and this time you already had your CPC, course. right? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. So, um, and I had, I think I, I reached out to my instructor and I, uh, she helped me a little bit and try to, you know, with resources um, to add to what was, you know, was not in the study guide that that the APC offered um so yeah I taught them with that and 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 these two people did they have like a, a medical background uh coming into these classes aside from what they were they, doing I mean uh, just experience working in a doctor's office mm-hmm. already mm-hmm. um that that's all oh wow. uh, I think one was a uh a medical assistant had a medical assistant certification right um so, you know, she had started out as a receptionist in another practice, and then she went from there to, um, I think, the billing office. Right. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I think that's how it went. Okay. And 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 how did you feel? Like, like for I'll, I'll explain you to me. Like, like, like when I first started teaching, um, I I was afraid. Right. <laughs> uh, I had to teach at least maybe three or four people in health information technology. They just threw me in the role. Same thing. They just had confidence. They actually had nobody else to do it. And he says, Brian, can you do it? And I'm like, OK, well, here's the curriculum. Uh, go ahead and get started. And I'm like, oh, OK. And um, and I've been doing this since, uh, gosh, 2000, 2000, I'd like to say 2005. I like to be even before that, I think I, I like to say 2004. Five or 2006 or maybe 2004 around that time so I've been teaching since then and the first time I ever had a taught I, I was totally nervous and and I think when you find yourself teaching others you find yourself teaching yourself does, yes. does that ever find that it ever occurred to you when you were doing that yes because I, I learned from them right like and they help me understand things differently okay and like sometimes when like how, 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 when I say teach, when you teach others, you teach yourself, you find yourself catching like certain terms that you're teaching to 
to other people. And then you're like, as soon as you say it, like, ah, now it makes sense to me after I say it this way, after teaching to somebody. And I've always found that that when somebody teaches me, I take it in, but it I don't understand it unless I can reciprocate it back out. And so yes, it's a matter of true. me t- saying it like the way I want to say it. I guess it's a way of trying to explain it in your own terms versus their own terms. And I guess when you start flowing, you, you have the information in and you're flowing the information out and you're actually you know listening to how you're saying it. Uh, and as you do it more often, that definitely hones in on your style of teaching. Uh, so that's through the years. I'm sure for you yourself, that's something that you have developed. So when did you, when did you like make, have that feeling like, boy, I really like teaching. Uh, was there like a certain the, class or was there a certain point during your teaching that like, oh, I, I really like this? Yeah. I, when I, when the, the first two, my first two official students, well, non-official students <laughs> passed the CPC. I mean, I enjoyed teaching them because they wanted to learn too. That's the other thing. If you, if you know somebody wants to learn, then it's easy to teach them because I, I love to share my knowledge, you know? I mean, I don't think I have a lot, but the little that I do have, I like to share it. And somebody wants to to learn it because they want to advance their career, or they want to do something better for themselves. And I'm I'm all in. I will help you. Um, so um, that's how I felt about it. So and like I made the I made the deal with myself. I was like, you know, if, if these girls can pass, then maybe this is maybe this is something I can do. You know, maybe I can teach people. And, and, you know, you make a good point is that is that you feel like you're not offering enough, but whatever you can give, it is enough. And mm-hmm. for those, I think like when I created the uh, Medical Coding Geeks Facebook group, I had this idea of like bringing people or just telling people, look, you know, it's it's better if you say it. It's better if you speak it when you're when you're trying to learn and also teach it. Uh, there was a, there was at one point um, I was trying to promote an initiative called Learn by Teaching, but I think when people don't really learn how to uh, speak and make the 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 uh, what was the, what's the word um, the the energy or I guess the the gumption enough to do it, then then they're not going to really learn. So rather than you're just you know soaking it in. Um, but regardless, even when people want to teach, I think it's it's the it's a separation barrier that they think they have to be the super 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 expert, right? And yeah, kind of sorta. <laughs> yeah, like you have to be the guru in order to teach. And I I I I want to I really don't agree with that. Uh, it, it you know to be a super guru to teach it makes you more credible. Right. But you always had to start. You always have to start somewhere (laughs) in your teaching. So whatever knowledge, whatever little knowledge you have, I think it's important that you take it and you explain it well. If you can explain how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, then, you know, I I would be more intrigued in you telling me how to do it. And so, you know, uh, you kind of build your process from there, like yourself, you know, you you began with two people and then you're like, oh, okay, well, I think (laughs) I think I did a good job. They passed, (laughs) you know, let's let's. So basically it's like uh, I'm going to repeat that process again. 
I think that's what what happened. Like, okay, let me repeat the process, repeat the process, and now I guess that's what kind of built it up to the, to that point. So, so when you when you passed or when your your two um, those two employees passed, um, you decided to go for your CPCI, right? And what was that process like for those that are wondering uh, how to obtain their CPCI? So for me, it was, uh, let's see, I think I probably placed the call for the APC and just kind of inquired about what the qualifications were. Uh, I went online. I did uh, online training. Mm-hmm. And um, and from there, I sat for the exam. Like what, what kind of training what, what kind of training um, is involved in instructor training versus just getting a credential? Um. Actually, it is almost taking the CPC course again uh-huh. with some added information, such as you learn about marketing, marketing, uh, okay. uh, a little bit of that, um, and then you learn about the different types of uh, students you may encounter, the mm-hmm. different type of of, uh, of um, learning, uh, different types of learning. Oh, uh, okay, cool. I guess learning models like a, right. you know. Visual, you know, visual learning mm-hmm. versus um, hands-on, right. le- inter- interactive learning. Right. So you learn about the people's different learning styles. Oh, that's um, that uh, that would be the added part of uh, CPC. Uh, and, I CPC and I think I. you also have to do a presentation, right? Yes, you do have to do a presentation. So I did a presentation um, for yeah. That's that was one of the uh, one of the. Um, um, I guess prerequisites. Did you have or, to like schedule that and then have like a proctor listen to you? Uh, actually, um, you did not have to have a proctor. What you had to do, you had to have an evaluation form. So I had um, all my front just no, I had all my clinical staff. So I had uh, two nurse practitioners, no, two PAs and one nurse practitioner, and uh, three of my doctors sat in on a E and M course that I taught. Oh, in in the office, and I got them to evaluate me. Oh, so that's how it works. So basically, you just you just schedule your own presentation, yeah, and then you mm-hmm. have a a panel of I guess a panel of people that are going to evaluate you. And is there like a minimum required, like a minimum amount of evaluations that you would have to send in order to uh, for it to be valid? Um, I don't remember. I believe I'm, I'm not sure how many. Uh, what the it may have been ten, because I think that's why I had to include my. Um, I definitely include my billing staff, the two girls there, um, and I think uh, I think my front desk, a couple of front desk people. It may have been ten. So, so is, is there like is there so is there a certain criteria of the people who att- who need to evaluate your your presentation? Like like when you tell me that, like okay, I'm gonna invite five of my friends and maybe five of my <laughs> my family, and then they're just gonna listen to me talk. Does it work like that, or do they have to like um, validate who those people are? Uh, yeah, we did have to because they have to fill out their name and their position oh, okay. uh, within the the business. So, oh, you know, okay. you had physician, 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 nurse practitioner, physician's assistant. You know, billing office, billing Got office. It. So, okay, I thought I, you know, let me call my sister, let me call my best friend, let me call my, na- <laughs> <laughs> let me call my a couple of my right, neighbors, right, right. and just come into my <laughs> living room and I'll just do an hour presentation about coding. Now, did you and the topic that you had to select was was it specific or could you have gone basic? Could you gone advanced or is it catered to what your audience was? Um, it, it was my choice what I wanted to mm-hmm. to um, speak on. And it had to be so, what, like sixty I knew, minutes? Uh, 
Um, I did probably about 45 minutes. Uh-huh. And then with a 15-minute Q&A, I bet? Yes. Okay. All right, cool. Oh, it turned into arguments because, of course, she <laughs> has resistance with the EM coding in my office. <laughs> Why do we have to give a review assistance when we sell the person 100 times? Ah, okay. So it became, Well, you don't have to do the whole thing, but you do have to address it. You know, that type of thing. Right. You know, so. Documentation is definitely key. You know, just because we can't right, assume right. that you, you've you done it, you got to make sure right. you write that <laughs> sure. down. Uh, so that's exactly. cool. So I've, I've always inquired about it. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I have. You know, I've had people who have CPC eyes, but I never asked those questions <laughs> about uh-huh. the CPC yeah. on that process. <laughs> now, you also have a CPMA. Uh, that's the medical... Aud- uh, medical auditing um yes mm-hmm. uh, so how how was um i know you mentioned what led you to that but what was the what was the exam like and uh to follow up with the question is how did you use it after you obtained it so the cpma um again that was um the course if i can remember correctly again was like the cpc course um they focused on more regulations, um, uh, medical documentation, fraud and abuse and penalty um, violations, governmental guidelines. Um, Again, you do your coding concepts. um, And they included how to conduct an audit, like the different methodologies on how to conduct audits. and I guess they did kind of like a risk analysis, quality assurance, that type of stuff um, for the CPMA. Um, and the second part to your question, yeah. I guess, how do I apply it today? Yeah. Or how do I use that today? Yeah. How did it, how so, did it help you out now, now, now that you have it? Well, it, it helped me as far as the governmental guidelines and the regulations. For me, that was important because I wanted to make sure that I'm not – fraudulently submitting claims. I wanted to make sure that I knew how to teach my doctors how to document. I wanted to make sure I was following the rules. Because again, private practice, you don't have anybody telling you what to do. So I have to I have to um to use resources like this to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. Got it. You just you um, basically did the sure. credential so that way the FBI isn't knocking on your door. <laughs> Right, yeah, basically, I, I want to protect my my company. Oh, that's um, nice. That's you know. a good. That's a good reason to to get a credential. I never. Yeah. Never really looked at <laughs> because that. Because you, you know, you go to these meetings and you hear about how the FBI, you know, came into this practice because they were submitting all these claims. Right. I mean, I I know my doctors are doing the work. Right. Um, I, I don't worry about that at all. Right. Um, but at the same time, I do want to know the governmental guidelines. I want to know about coding violations. You know. Perfect. No, that that makes that definitely makes sense because people who who get credentials. Um, especially the real new ones, um, I think there there needs to be a sense of purpose. You know, like, okay, I'm getting this credential because of this. Or sometimes they get multiple credentials and they don't even know why they're getting them. Uh, only, be, you know, be just because it's popular, uh, just because it's in demand. But then you're coming here and saying, well, I got the CPA, CPMA to protect myself. <laughs> you know, and I think that's a very, 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 very good reason to to obtain that to to definitely add credibility to who you are, and then you know you have a, yeah definitely have a self interest in protecting your practice that you're in. Um, so let's go back to expanding the those coders. Uh, so from two people, how did how did you manage to do more classes after that? 
so my second, my my official class as a CPCI, um, let's see, how did, uh, so actually, again, I went to my staff at this time. I had one, two, three, four. I had five uh, young ladies. Uh, oh, so my, you had expanded since staff. from the two? Yes. Okay. I went to my uh, to to five five young ladies within my office. I was like, "Hey, are you guys interested in learning medical coding? You know, it could help you further your career. You know, you know, you can, you know, go do these types of things." And I gave them, you know, um, examples of how they could use the credential and mm-hmm. how it can, you know, advance their career. Um, I also, what did I do? I think I called people, like I said, in, in uh, medical records department to let them know that I was teaching and my, uh, let's see, who else did I reach out to? Just other departments within the hospital. And I ended up with, uh, let's see, at that time, two people um, from the hospital along with my uh, five uh, staff. Mm-hmm. And also I had one person call from uh, they got my name off the APC website. So my first official class, I had five, I think I had seven students. Oh, wow, nice. And I um, brought in uh, some um, tables, uh, and I uh, cleared out my reception area, mm-hmm. and um, I taught class in my reception area. So oh. I had a classroom. Oh, nice. So the... the did PowerPoint presentations and... Everything. And you were doing this in the in the neurosurgery practice reception office, right? Yes. So they allowed you yes. to, to do these classes there? Yep. Oh, perfect. Yep, they said, sure, go ahead. Oh, how nice. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely with the overhead <laughs> of trying to find a room. Uh, I doing know, a... exactly. Wow. So... <laughs> I was like, I don't know where I'm going to find a room. I mean, the rooms were so expensive just in the area. I bet. Um, That's awesome. So, and so yeah. you, you continued doing this in the – and do you continue doing this now in the reception office or have you, have you expanded that? Um, yes, my office is the main, quote-unquote, um, place that I teach uh-huh. um, throughout the year. Um, and the classes are held on Wednesdays, um, you know, and I usually do like a, what, 16 to 20 week class. So every uh-huh. 16 to 20 weeks, I start a new class. Oh, very nice. And this is all, so this is, I guess, at the point that you did this seven person class, is that when you decided to create Blackstone Healthcare Solutions? I had all, I had already, let me see, had I started? Yes, I had already uh, started Blackstone Healthcare Solutions as soon as I got my credential um, many months prior to starting that first official CPC course. Was that the CPCI, correct? Or the that CPMA? Was the CPCI. Okay. Uh-huh. CPCI. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Oh, so, right off the bat, you're like, okay, I'm going to start my own company now that I have my CPC- CPCI. Well, yeah, I had talked, I had spoken to some people, um, and I was just like, just kind of like, uh, I guess, um, and just to see what other residual income I could do. What could I do for myself? You know, I work for this practice. I'm, I'm able to do this for these people. What can I do for me? Because, you know, the thought is, you know, always have residual income. So I'm like, well, you know, I, I was kind of skeptical. I'm like, mm, nobody's going to, nobody wants to learn from me. I don't know. But, you know, that fear or that hesitation, I'm like, just do it. You know, if you get people, you get people. If you don't, you don't. Oh, well, whatever. At least you can do something. Even if you get one person a year, who cares? And it's, it's funny. Something. It's funny because just just um, well, as of this recording, it's it's October, and um, 
I just posted something in the Medical Coding Geeks Facebook group about side hustles. Right? Yes, I saw that. I saw that, that. <laughs> and that became a, a very popular post because the the reason why I posted that was because I was actually listening to a podcast called uh, Side Hustle School, and um, this guy talks about just really really short uh, story form, really short narratives of people who decided to create their own side hustle. So when you mention like, I want to make my own money on the side, well, essentially you just created your own side hustle. And it's funny because I was trying to create a episode on that. Well, guess what? I'm going to call this, <laughs> this episode, the side hustle. And, uh, you know, and, and so, you know, for me, I, I, you know, I, I asked the questions in the group and there were so many wide variety of people there were, but there were so many people that were like, Oh man, I, I never even thought about creating a side hustle. How do I do that? How did I get, you know, how do I get that started? Where do I need to begin? And I think those people, um, are definitely, they have a starting point, but I guess for you, you had that, that, um, that that need and so when you have a need you build on the need then you just again continue that process it started off with what two students you got your cpci and like boy i'm gonna go ahead and create my own business and then just repeat the process from those two people and just scale on demand and the fact that you have <laughs> the the office to do it in that i mean that you you haven't made right there you're just gonna just continue that process um so is is that all you do with with uh, with your company? Is that just offering these uh, cor- these uh, regularly scheduled courses, or is there any other service that um, you provide? Yep. So um, within the I guess the past um, six to seven months, um, well, actually last year I did a couple of um, CPC review courses. Um, um, and I got referrals from my local AAPC chapter. Um, and I also had the opportunity to do um, a little consulting uh, for a neurosurgery uh, uh, practice that uh, needed someone to check their uh, neurosurgery coding. Um, so, yeah, which is kind of cool. So that's, you know, that's actually uh, one of the things I do want to include is consulting. Because, um, you know, I do have that uh, that background of coding for neurosurgery. And I know that's a, you know, a, you know, not out there a lot. You don't find a lot of neurosurgery well, coders. Uh, there you go. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. There you go. I mean, I, I think I think what what you can do is it, what the potential is, and it, it, it'll come into your next question about um, your future. But but what I see, but what I, you know, what 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 I usually tend to look at businesses, and when I see something uh, that niche. And I and I I am able to find that niche for somebody else, and I say you gotta you gotta do this. You really have to do that, right? So when I when I looked at your, uh, from posting my memes to finding your Facebook page to going to your website to going to um, the about tab and finding out that you do neurosurgery, that intrigued me. Uh-huh. Like I'm like I don't know anybody else who does <laughs> neurosurgery, you know. So it, it takes yeah, those steps and those different people. types of things. Can you imagine? You know, it just took yeah. you know you sharing that post for me to find you to find you about neurosurgery and nobody know. I mean, to me, like other people may not know about that, you know, and, and um, the fact that that in itself is a niche market, you might want to, you know, jump on that. Well, there is no train, you are the train. <laughs> you right, you right. are it. Exactly. I, mean, I, I, I mean, I haven't heard anybody else. So, you know, I would highly suggest 
you know, because I had Stacy Buck who did the same thing. She did radiology. She ju- she jumped into interventional radiology. Uh, there was not much of a need, and she t- she jumped with that. She went with that. And so if you listen, I don't know if you ever listened to her episode, if you can replicate what she did is doing the same thing that you're doing, offering those courses, you know, the CPC courses, but then, um, the, but the thing is that they don't have the certification now, but imagine if they had it, you know, uh, and then you could jump on that, but then you could be even more specialized at that point, considering that you're doing consulting and I think through your consulting businesses and endeavors that you do, you build a certain resource, right? Like a go-to resource. Once you've built that, then, uh, you know, you begin to start speaking. Um, I don't know if you ever, did you ever do APC chapter meetings on neurosurgery? I did uh, last year. Okay. Um, I did a um, nurse, uh, did a PowerPoint presentation. I think it was called neurosurgery, the basics of neurosurgery. Oh, okay, cool. Something like that. Yeah. Decoding basics of neurosurgery. Uh-huh. So I did uh, start with the brain and worked on down to from cervical to lumbar to thora- you know to thoracic yeah, to lumbar. Right. Yep. Wow. Well, uh, awesome. I, I mean, I, <laughs> for me, it's like it's like this. You know, you know when you when you could spot somebody for, that is about to to make things happen, I, I identify it with your company and what you have done and with your story. So definitely a lot of things that you know for those that are listening, if you need a neurosurgery you know coder consultant auditor this this person uh adrian blackstone is an up up and up and coming professional so please uh keep her on your radar so to wrap things up with this episode is two questions uh the first question is and i think i kind of gave it a little (laughs) gave a little bit of a (laughs) a little information away but but what does your future look like for yourself and your company blackstone healthcare solutions so my next thing is uh, I am work, currently working on my CDEO, which is the Certified Documentation Expert um, for Outpatient, um, halfway through the course, and hopefully I can sit uh, for the uh, exam in December. I'm going to take that and, again, use it for my uh, current job as practice manager, again, to help uh, keep my doctors in line, make sure they're documenting appropriately, uh, giving me um, the ability to understand um, how to teach them again, once again, how to document appropriately, how to be able to interpret that data. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm, again, working on that and just building my personal business. Um, again, I really want to continue to teach and to also include consulting with the um, specialty of neurosurgery um, and also um, teaching the revenue cycle and teaching uh, front desk policy and techniques and things like that. I, I eventually want to build up to that because, I, again, I, I just like teaching these these young folks uh, that are coming in now to the medical industry or medical, um, yeah, medical industry, just, you know, the appropriate etiquette and technique and, you know, front desk do's and don'ts and things like that. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's kind of. I like how you, you you make it you make the courses very simple, and I think once you begin with the simplicity of courses, then you you develop into the more immediate intermediate, and I think again, like as we talked about before, you learn by teaching, and so you're like, okay, I got that solidified. I'm going to go to intermediate, and I'm going to go to an advanced level. So why I think I think sooner or later we might hear you become a national speaker. <laughs> So, so you never know. I mean, I, I, I mean, never it never crossed your mind, but like, you know, you, you really have to have that type of foresight. If you, if you're developing yourself as a company, then, 
you know, then consulting. And then you're the only person that I know, as far as I know, I mean, I know a lot of people that does neurosurgery, then you need to get yourself on the national speaking circuit. Uh, so definitely uh, the next, well, the next AAPC conference is in Orlando. Okay. In Orlando, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I think it's at the Coronado Springs. So I plan yes, to Coronado be there. Springs. So uh, I will be there. <laughs> oh, you'll be there. Okay. So I want you to speak yes. there. I, I think. Yeah. Oh, wait. The yes. wait. The, the the submissions were already finished. So I think it's already too yes. late. So the next year after that, I, I, I'm, I'm setting a goal for you for next year to be okay. a speaker for <laughs> AAPC, uh, 2019. 19. Yes. Uh, so uh, okay. for those that are listening you now, there you go. And so do your neuro- neurosurgery, um, you know, your seminars there. I mean, the reason why I'm saying that because it, it works so well with Stacy Buck. And if you, uh-huh. if you, I, I highly suggest you connect with her too, because yes. you, know, you can kind of mirror that process, but your, yours is just mm-hmm. different. Yours is just in a different body system. Uh, yes. And you're yes. just going to okay. reciprocate what she has done. So for those that are listening, take take a listen to Stacey Buck's episode. I believe that's episode six, part one and part two. All right. Anyways, uh, my last question is, uh, what final advice can you give to our audience? Okay. Let's see. Final advice. Continue to learn. Um, I think once you you think you know everything and you and you stop learning, then that, that kind of like just shuts everything down. Um, just always learn that's that's one of the biggest things that i'm doing is always seeking seeking more um second advice would be for me um i think the big thing for me is just connect being able to network and connect with others um so i use my local chapter to do that um so i I would definitely say that and um just share share your knowledge Well, there you have it. That is Adrian Blackstone of Blackstone Healthcare Solutions. For any of the links and notes, especially to Adrian Blackstone and also her company, Blackstone Healthcare Solutions, you can go to our show notes by going to medicalcodinggeek.com slash podcast. Not Elsewhere Classified is presented and produced by Medical Coding Geek. Music was brought to you by 43 and Coyote Hearing. Medical Coding Geek offers tutoring and media services for the medical coding, health information, and CDI community. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MED Coding Geek. That's MED Coding Geek. You can also find us on our website, medicalcodinggeek.com, where you can find and listen to all the podcast episodes plus the show notes from today. Make sure to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. We would definitely appreciate it. And again, thank you for being part of this podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kui, and you have just listened to Not Elsewhere Classified. MedicalCodingGeek.com